Welcome to the Real Pill Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Lizell. And with me today is my co-host. Mark Salcedo. <laughs> I was waiting I know. That. <laughs> uh, managing editor and writer at ScreenGeek.net. I'm just going to lean into that Mark Salcedo now. Mm, like, mm, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, quick side note. Cal says, want you to know, Farscape is four seasons on Amazon Prime. Four Don't seasons. Worry. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking two because wasn't like spaced only two seasons or something? Space was two seasons, but that was like a very British thing. Yeah. This was like sci-fi. This was like sci-fi channel. When sci-fi channel was like, we need, Good. Make, we need to make like new show. And they're like, boom, Farscape, suck it. <laughs> well, you know what they say about that. What's, what's that? All women are weak by nature. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> awesome quote. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, two E's in real, and you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Um, yes, all four seasons on site. Oh, we're watching. We're- what about the web show, web series? Well, it wasn't a web series. It was a mini series. Go on, go on. Let me see if I can find the mini series. Anyway, before it was so rudely interrupted, uh. um, if you would review us on iTunes, and then we'll get noticed. And our segments for this week's show are the news, our recent review of Netflix's Monster, our variety time, Big Trouble at the Golden Globes, and our geriatric cinematic is Rashomon, uh, and that came out in 1950. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the topic? Uh, one defining moment from multiple angles. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes me picture a person standing in a spot and a thousand different trains hitting it from different directions. Ooh, damn. Well, this is essentially... <laughs> that. Yeah, it's essentially that. <laughs> so did you find what you were looking for? Uh, I'll have to keep looking, but if not, I got to find them. I got to find the miniseries. It was like a okay. three-night event, two hours each episode. Oh, it's so fucking good. Mm. For people who are listening, if y'all haven't watched Farscape, oof, y'all miss some great television. I'm gonna introduce Kelsey. We're gonna we're gonna fucking watch that show. We're gonna watch that show. Okay. Fuck yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Alright, 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 alright. So uh Mark, do you wanna kick us off with the news? Yeah, so knives out two um Electric Boogaloo uh <laughs> will get a new edition with uh Edward Norton and uh Dave Batista. Um Edward Norton, you know, famously known from Fight Club uh, is set to join the uh, star-studded ensemble cast for Ryan Johnson's sequel to Knives Out. Uh, Daniel Craig will be returning, uh, as expected. Um, there still is no... Like, Ryan Johnson has not revealed anything of the story, of, like, the murder mystery, of the dyna- dynamic, or anything like that, or, like, at what level um, Norton will play. Mm-hmm. But Norton is, like, a very, like, traverse actor. Like... He's played like comedy, he's been serious, he's played like You mean tra- diverse? Diverse they're traverse. <laughs> <laughs> diverse, yeah. Um, but there is news that the production for Knives Out Two will be uh starting in the summer in Greece. So it's pretty cool. It's gonna be like an international kind of thing. Um 
Um, mostly I'm just happy that they have it as Knives Out too, because someone put Knives Out with two eyes and knives. And I'm like, I'm so glad they didn't do that. <laughs> That's it, like coming to America and coming to America. Yeah, I know. They're probably going to call it like Knives and Forks or some shit like that. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Knives and Spoons. Knives and Spoon? Yeah. Uh, or the sh- or the, show's, the show, the movie's going to be called, well, that's not a knife. This is a knife. Steak knives. Steak knives. <laughs> Bread knives. Butter knives. <laughs> we just named all these different knives. <laughs> Cleavers. <laughs> Pairing knife. <laughs> Pairing knife. <laughs> Murder weapon. Knife. Knife. <laughs> <laughs> It's the prequel knife. <laughs> no murder weapon knife. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's it for that knives knives out news. Um, FXX ordered an animated comedy series called Little Demon, and it's gonna have Danny and Lucy DeVito in it, and uh, our favorite girl Aubrey Plaza, mm-hmm. Aubrey and Plaza. Uh, Dan Harmon too. What? Oh, executive produce. Yeah, my boy Dan Harmon. Yeah, he's so awesome. He's so Harmon. <laughs> He's a weirdo, but like. He's a he, good weirdo. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's subjective, but. Yeah, like, subjective. Yeah, yeah. But he's fine. We, 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 we've been to Harmon Town before. Yeah. Um, so they've picked up the series Little Demon. Um, it's a half hour animated comedy pilot. It stars Danny DeVito and his daughter Lucy DeVito and Aubrey Plaza. Um, and Danny DeVito's Jersey Films Second Avenue is going to be um, making this along with uh, Shadow Machine and FX Productions with mm-hmm. Rick and Morty co-creator Dan Harmon. And, um, you know, because he's executive producing. And then um, Archer and Cake moved over to FXX and FX on Hulu. So it's going to be joining that little family of animation um you know i never got into archer i've seen like bits and pieces of it but archer's been on for like eight seasons or something like that mm-hmm. and i feel like i need to like finally jump on that bandwagon yeah there's something kind of off-putting about it i think it's like too misogynistic for me or something well that's the point of it because it's like it's essentially like a james bond like type uh show but like the all like the mis- misogynistic and like kind of semi-racist or like um, like stuff that happens in those Bond films, and it's mm-hmm. like this is let's just turn it on its head and like laugh at it. Yeah, I don't know. I might I might have to actually try watching it with you to get into it because mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's created by Darcy Fowler, Seth Kirshner, and Kieran Valla. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what's the synopsis of it? Yeah, the the synopsis is um, thirteen years after being impregnated by the devil, which I guess is Danny DeVito, a reluctant mother, Aubrey Plaza, and her antichrist daughter Lucy DeVito attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware, but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter's soul. You know what this reminds me of? A little Nikki. No, 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 no. Actually, to be more precise, this reminds me of, um, I think it was like a, let me see. It was a, okay, it was a show. I think it might have been on either on, on what's it called? Uh, adult. I think it was on Adult Swim. It was called Lucy, Daughter of the Devil. Oh, really? Yeah. It was almost the exact same premise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy's a 21-year-old daughter of Satan and his and this dark comedy. And it was just like Satan is her father, mm-hmm. but Lucy is the Antichrist. 
but she's she's like a she's almost like a hipster kid or something like that, more like an emo goth kid. But she's like, I want to do that, Dad. I want to like, I'm gonna go like plant stuff and like hang out with my friends and blah 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 and stuff like that. Yeah. So. This yeah, but kinda, like little Nikki was kind of like that too, but in a really offshoot kind of way. I remember watching Little Nikki when it first came out and mm-hmm. laughing my ass off, and then I watched it again a couple like years later, and I was like, "Why am I watching this? This is not even yeah. funny." I know his stuff has that effect on people, but Adam I'm Sandler's? just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying the trope of the devil has a child and mm-hmm. the child doesn't want to be evil is not new. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Which is it's kind of funny because. We're not going to say it yet, but we'll say it at the end of the show our what our geriatric cinematic is going to be is kind of in relation to that. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, anything else from the uh, from that story? Nope. All right. So, Venom 2, the trailer... Spider-Man 2? Yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Um, so, Venom 2, the trailer for Venom 2, like, dropped, I think, like, today. It was today or yesterday. Today is, what, Tuesday? Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the movie Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, director Andy Serkis pretty much broke down the trailer and like on ING and explained like what's going on in this movie and stuff like that. But he did say that Spider-Man and Venom are not like, they're not going to be meeting each other anytime soon. Like at all. So there's still no point to have a Venom movie. Exactly. That's a lot of people. And I saw a lot of people like commenting. They're just like, why are they making Venom movies? Like we like. We all know that Venom comes around because of Spider-Man. It's weird having Venom movies where there's no inkling of Spider-Man whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Circus has said this. Uh, he said that the movie uh, is treating this very much as a Venom, like in its own world type movie um, and its own type story. So it's not really exactly going to be canon then. People are debating if this is even going to be included in the MCU. I don't think so. Like at all. And it's weird because like Morbius is somehow connected to the MCU because there's that uh inclusion of a character from a spider-man from a previous spider-man movie mm-hmm. and there people are just like okay morbus is going to be the mcu but why not venom that is patches <laughs> taking a dump and covering it up <laughs> um so what uh so here's what circus said he says there are nods and little moments like uh the shot of a newspaper the daily bugle of course but on the whole he's unaware there are they are unaware at this point of of other characters like spider-man so that's the way we've chosen to play this particular episode of the movie but well we'll wait we'll wait and see we'll see what little things you can pick out of it um, like I okay, so here's the thing. I kind mm-hmm. of like the idea of seeing this guy, yeah, um, kind of spiraling and you know, like, like oh, if, if they did it the right way, I yeah. really would love to see the idea of this guy whose life is falling apart, the Eddie Brock character, yeah, right? mm-hmm. and he just like obviously has no choice but to kind of link up with Venom, mm-hmm. and you know they got to work together, yeah. and he s- starts to maybe kind of side with Venom. Okay. You know what I mean, and yeah. then be, and then you see, get to see his whole arc of becoming a villain. I can okay, I can totally see that working completely. However, this is Sony, and this I feel like this is a Sony property, especially if it's Avi Arad who's producing this. I believe um, he's the type of person to be like, "Well, fuck Marvel," because he hates Kevin Feige. He yeah, because the, he's jealous that he does such a good job. Yeah, I can picture like Avi Arad just being like. No, nah, we're not going to connect it. We're just going to we're going to we're going to make a billion dollars off this movie. 
he's not gonna make a billion dollars <laughs> off of it no but yeah. i can't wait for all those really god-awful cuts oh i know we were i remember we didn't review it for the sh- we didn't review it for the show did we we just watched it like i think we talked about it but we didn't really review yeah, it yeah that first venom is not good no yeah jesus christ um so yeah i mean there's no spider-man no mention of spider-man i mean but I mean, we'll have to wait and see. It could be a whole ploy. Any circus can be like, you know, there's no Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man shows up. Venom has also helped me not like Tom Hardy. Really? Yeah, I was thinking about it today. Because I actually, when I first saw Tom Hardy, I had a huge crush on him. Mm-hmm. And between that and, um, what's that show? Peaky Blinders? Yeah. I don't like him. Maybe you need to watch, like, actual good stuff he's in maybe 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 i need my faith restored yeah he tom hardy is one of those guys who like will end up in a bunch of movies and you're just like why is he in it he did this really really bad spy movie with chris pine and reese witherspoon i don't like chris pine yeah they play both of them were spies and they were both what were they doing spying on a a church community no they were both (laughs) People. Oh damn! It's Chris Pine and, and Reese Witherspoon look like fucking Christians through and through. <laughs> I thought that was a Jews and the Black Messiah kind of thing. <laughs> no, they just look like Republicans. Um, no, uh, Tom Hardy and Chris Pine play spies that were seeing the same woman, and it was Reese Witherspoon. And apparently, they didn't know that they were seeing the same woman. These, these are some shitty ass spies. <laughs> I had a crush on her when she was younger, and now she's older, and I don't care for her forehead. Sorry. Hey, you said it. I was thinking it, but you said it. <laughs> she was really good in what that one movie. Um, Which one? Cruel Intentions. I liked her in that. I've actually never seen that movie. Nope. And the reason why I've never seen it is because everybody says it's a good movie. I, I'm one of those people that is like, I don't care if it's a fucking good movie. I don't want to see it now. Because everybody's just like... Oh, I remember watching this in high school. The soundtrack was so amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And then someone told me the ending. I was like, They told you the ending? They told me the ending. I was like, I don't care to fucking watch this movie now. We'll watch it, but I'm going to make sure it's part of the show. No, we can just told you. You can just be like, Hey, Mark, sit down and watch this with me. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I won't. I'll keep my eyes closed, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but you got to pay attention to it, though. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Then I think we are ready to move on to our recent review of Monster. What do you see when you look at me? You ready for your test, right? I just thought it. Boy. Images can tell a story. You have the opportunity here to move people. Artist. We came forward. Running backwards. Oh. Hey! Yo, pull up! Outsider. Get my good side, hold up. You got me? Hey, guys, you here? When you were born, I thought of all the scenes of your life. Although jaded. Was it worth it all? Someone just like your mother? Could it be more? I even imagined being mad at you for being the same kid does. But I never saw anything like this. 
the synopsis is a smart, likable 17-year-old film student from Harlem sees his world turned upside down when he's charged with murder. We follow his dramatic journey through a complex legal battle. Directed by Anthony Mandler, written by Colin C. Wiley and Janice Schaefer. Uh, it's based on the novel by Walter Dean Myers. Um, it stars Kelvin Harrison Jr., Asap Rocky, Jennifer Eel, Jennifer Hudson, Jeffrey Wright, Tim Blake Nelson, and Gerald Drum. Yes. <laughs> Okay, mm. I'm going to hand it to you. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because um, I remember the movie, mm-hmm. but because it was um, not very well directed, mm. I don't have a clear direction to take mm. like my thoughts with it. Okay, okay. So, okay, so you said that the directions, it's not that put together, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm actually going to bounce that off and say that I think the direction is great. But like, stylistically speak, speaking, the aesthetics of the movie, I liked. I liked the visual aid. I liked the um, the parts where the uh, where Steve Harmon is like describing like a scenario mm-hmm. and how he describes it like interior this this and this you know which is which is funny which is how like my head that's works. That's how your brain works. Yeah, that's yeah. how my mind my head. That's how my mind works, right? But like he like says it like if he's actually like writing a script for like a dramatic effect, so. That level of direction is pretty good. But there's more to directing than just cinematography. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So, uh, and I'm talking about pacing. Yeah. So, there, that's where like the problems with this movie starts is the pacing. Um, there are, for me, I feel like there are moments where it could have really escalated because this, this is supposed to be like a dramatic, like emotional movie and stuff like that. But I had a sense that like they weren't pushing it hard enough like i didn't need to see the kid to get like his ass beaten prison or anything like that Mm -hmm. there are other ways of how a character especially like a kid who's 17 who's thrown into like an adult prison how it can like psychologically fuck them up Mm -hmm. um like for example what's what's that kid's name that you you talk about the one with the backpack khalif broader exactly khalif broader right that like and we almost were going to talk about that in a variety time but just to kind of quickly mention that there's Mm -hmm. a documentary I, i think it's on netflix yeah and that is such a heartbreaking documentary because he was essentially a child yeah, yeah. who went to prison and mm. he spent, I think, three years before right. he even came to the court. Yeah, and it was mainly like in solitary confinement, right? Um, a lot of it was, <clears throat> yeah. <throat> he was A lot of it was in solitary confinement. <clears throat> and then, you know, he got out of prison. He was exonerated. They fought him on a settlement or whatever. And <clears throat> then one day he killed himself and they tell you how he did it too. And that's even more heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't like, like I like this movie didn't need like that ending part. Like, Oh, the kid kills himself. But like this, I felt like this movie could have had a great opportunity to really examine the, the psychological effect of this kid in prison. Like, like like how he behaves as a person, Mm. how it affects his art now. Yeah. You know, since yeah, he wants exactly. to be a filmmaker, yeah. how it affects, you know, his outlook on, on because he's he is essentially a likable 17 year old film student who also seems way too trusting for someone who lives in fucking Harlem. Yeah, yeah. He's he, even he, though he, I know Harlem, I think these days is way different than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's a bit too fucking naive. Like, yeah, like you cannot be a 17 year old black kid in Harlem and like. Hey, let me trust these people. Yeah, let me like, 
you know, let me let me hang out with like this like known gangster or this known shady character, mm-hmm. you know, for the sake of art. And I remember like while we were watching this, you said for like that particular like way of the storytelling, you said like that's something that I would do. That I would like hang out with somebody. No fucking lie. I, some things that he did, I was like, that's Mark. That's Mark. Really? Yeah. Like the part of you, if you peel away the layers, uh. just the part of you who's not not willing to get involved in something, but will get uncomfortably close mm. just so you could learn about it because you love to hear people's stories. Yeah. That's you. And that's what he was doing. Well, thank you. <laughs> it is a compliment like that's what makes people talented like ah. that level of commitment so yeah yeah so like um or die or die yeah um and then like some of the um so like that's i mean that's kind of like i mean without going into like full details because we're not in the spoiler section but that's like some of the details some of the minor details with the direction um uh it, within the film that kind of like leads to like bigger issues which we'll go into later um i want to kind of like lightly touch upon the acting um is mm. there anything with the acting that kind of like sticks with it? oh you're kind of like laughing okay i always like jeffrey wright uh he seems a little hard mm. and and more than he needs to be um jennifer hudson was forgettable uh yeah i know i was like jerome jerome looked like a baby like after seeing him in Concrete Cowboys, it's like he lost twenty pounds and like they de-aged him or something. Yeah, well, this movie was actually uh, this movie actually finished production in two thousand eighteen, mm. and it it didn't. It so didn't that was like it. right on the heels of Moonlight. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he hadn't reached like oh, so so this movie hadn't reached a distribution until like fairly recent. So I think that's why you get that that weird kind of like why does he look so like full like like he's been eating something in Concrete Cowboy but like so skinny in this movie. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, but that's just a little bit yeah. of an explanation. Um, John David Wash John David Washington <laughs> did not need to have a part in this movie. Yeah, yeah, his character. Like you know how people make fun of Ja Rule because like he was oh, he's always like making music about being on the streets and shit. Oh yeah, he's like from the suburbs and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he came from like a rich family or something. He went mm-hmm. to like private school, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like that's John David Washington trying to play a fucking gangster. Yeah, it's so weird because like I've seen John David Washington in a, in a number of things, but. I never picture him being like a thug. Like they like and not like thugging a like. Oh, like black people are thugs. Not like in that derogatory sense. Like, no, no, this, they really, they really have this character like gangster. They even give him like, um, like the teardrop tattoo and shit like mm-hmm. that. And he's like talking like, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. And hearing John Day Washington do that and try to act, I was like, yo, dude, you can't pull that they off, can. man. That's like <laughs> that is not in his DNA. Like, I know. like if anyone ever accused him of code switching, uh-huh. they'd be fucking wrong. That just he's not. He's not what people picture black people being. Yeah, and like no like like that's kinda like that's like me trying to be gangster. Like like I come from like Linwood, but like we got out pretty early. Um I got I got out I'm sorry, my fa- my family and I we got out of that area like when I was young, so I don't really have like this gangster mentality and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if I try to act like it, people are just like, dude, you can't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he's too fucking educated to play <laughs> yeah. that role. Sorry. It, it's almost, it, like that kind of like reminded me for uh, it reminded me of that line from um, Malcolm and Marie, uh-huh. where like Marie's calling out Malcolm on his shit, saying about like authentic, 
you know, boy, your mom's a psychologist. You come from like college and this, this, and that. When he did that, I'm just like, boy, your your dad's Denzel Washington. You like grew up in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. I think his dad could play gangster, but he can't. His dad sure. can't because his dad's like straight up from like New York. He's got like that Harlem kind of sensibility. Yeah. Um, I don't exactly know where Johnny Washington was like raised, but like it was. All you have to do is watch Training Day, and you're like, oh shit, this guy could be scary if he wanted to be. Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and his previous his previous stuff too, because he's got that old school like gangster mentality. Mm. Um, so, so wait, let's go back to like Jennifer Hudson. Well, you're surprised I said she was forgettable. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. That's the thing. Cause I fully agree with you. Okay. This, because I'm just like, yo, Jennifer Hudson is so fucking wasted in this movie. That's the thing that I think really sucks, right? Mm. Like she has an amazing voice and I mm. feel like there's so much about her that people don't know, but you're mm. never going to see it. And I don't know if it's her fault or her agent's fault, but she never seems to be in something that really showcases anything about her other than a pretty face Mm. with like, you know, a banging body. Yeah, I mean, she 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 did win an Oscar for uh, for Dreamgirls. I've never seen that movie, and I keep like dragging my fucking feet on watching it. Um, I saw it, and honestly, it wasn't really that great. Really, but I think she mostly got the attention for that because Mm. she her voice was like. Mm. She can outsing Beyonce. Yeah, I'm just I, I, I'm actually just remember watching the Oscars when she won when she that year when she won that award and how Beyonce was nominated. I, be, I believe Beyonce was nominated for Best Actress and Jennifer Hudson was nominated for Best Supporting Actress mm-hmm. and Jennifer Hudson wins and Beyonce doesn't. I can picture Beyonce being fucking pissed about that. <laughs> yeah, but she was also in that fucking movie. What was it? Lemonade or something. Uh, Beyonce. She was oh, in that, that, that fucking the, the movie. Mu- the music, the music movie that she did for a minute. No, that was um. That was like last year. A hip hopper or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. She was in a movie with um Cuba Gooding Jr. And she was like, Oh, I. <laughs> I know which movie you're talking about. It's like the fighting something or whatever. <laughs> I know exactly what movie you're talking about. She's not good in anything that like. Oh no, Beyonce's not a good actress at all. I ain't denying that. Mm. No, she's not a good actress. I feel like she probably could be if she went to school for it. Like yeah. I feel like it's there. She just doesn't know how to use it. Yeah, I mean she like don't get me wrong, she's she is a, a great like I don't want to say she's a <sighs> Okay. I'm not saying Beyonce is not a great singer, right? She has a great personality that goes with the singing, which I think it's like that. Like how um okay, like Madonna can't sing, but like She's an artist. She's an artist. Like Britney Spears. Exactly. Actually, Britney Spears can sing, but she made her name singing the way she does. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Beyonce, she has, like, that, but she's, like, at that level where she can sing, like, really good. Not Jennifer Hudson good, because I'm all about Jennifer Hudson. Um, But, like, the acting level, like, that's where, like, Jennifer Hudson is still bigger, like, better than her in singing Mm -hmm. and in acting, but she doesn't get enough praise for it. Because she hasn't been anything else, been in anything else where you would really like. Like, if I say, hey, I know that he's capable of it, but I've never seen it. And mm. I told you, and I said that about Robert Pattinson, you could be like, well, he's been in this, he's been in this, he's yeah, been yeah. in this. Okay. Okay, that movie that, that Cuba Gooding Jr. and Beyonce, it's called The Fighting Temptations. Oh, yeah, that I one. I remember Fighting that Temptations, movie. Fighting Temptations, yeah. Ooh, that movie was so bad. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, like, really frustrated with mm-hmm. that whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
All right, so enough about Beyonce. We're, we're well, and, and Jennifer Hudson too, because like, you know. Yeah, it's 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 pretty forgettable because she. I don't know. I felt like they hired her. They brought her on just to be like to carry the emotional weight, like the the strong black mother vibe. Yeah, but also like with the face, like because she 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 does know how to emote really well, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's why they brought her on to emote well. But they didn't do anything more with her. Yeah, with her than just that. Um, so do you want to get into the spoiler section? Yes. Uh, okay, so yeah, this is the part, of course, where we hop into the spoiler section. We talk in great lengths about uh, the movie Monster. And don't want to be spoiled. Uh, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. Okay. Tim Blake Nelson. Mm-hmm. I've never heard him not sound country. And he almost pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, you pointed that out. <laughs> there was just one time he had a slip up where he couldn't say event. He's like, event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> but he, he did a good job, like, yeah, actually sounding he, like a teacher in the city. Yeah, it, it's funny because, like, the, um, the two... Okay, so Jennifer Hudson is... Uh, under underutilized in this movie um but like jeffrey wright is okay actually before we go jeffrey wright uh tim blake nelson is being tim blake Nelson, like acting his ass off right Mm -hmm. but i think it's funny because like that's what tim blake nelson does i feel like whenever he's in something he like gives it his all he gives it all right and i feel whenever jeffrey wright is in this movie he does jeffrey wright as he does jeffrey wright he just does jeffrey wright like yeah like i felt like he was um disappointing too in a way really yeah okay so you have these really big name actors playing mm-hmm. this kid's parents yeah, yeah and they don't do almost anything you get a good sense that like mm. the character loves his son mm. um and you feel like there's a lot of pain in him and you have no fucking idea where it comes from yeah yeah yeah. like even even towards the beginning when he's showing him about like lines and like patterns and stuff yeah yeah um you get a sense like he's seen something but like he never says anything yeah like you like you get a sense that like the because like the father is like an artist in his own way more in like in a business sense like he's able he's able to equate like his his uh a, his talent as an artist into like a business model and then you get the son who's just like all talent right mm-hmm. he, who hasn't formulated his business model and you feel like there's that really big connection between the two mm-hmm. that never gets explored at all yeah they could have really showed mm-hmm. like that father and son dynamic yeah i mean there's like there's that great line that uh jeffrey wright says like oh you know when like i imagined all the scenes of your life exactly, playing out when exactly. you were born and this was not one of them yeah exactly right and it was just kind of like all right you did not expect this can you have a little bit of emotion like yeah, after he this didn't. Scene? he didn't yeah. have any that's the thing like, yeah he was really uh genuine it sounded like when he was saying that particular line mm. But not once did he ever look at his son with tears in his eyes and say, like, exactly. I know you didn't do this. I believe you. Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing like that. You get a sense, like, like 
I know you're not cut out for this. Try to stay strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not how I would talk to my children. Like, I'd be like, like, I know you didn't do this. I want you to know that I, I believe in you hmm. and you're going to get through it or something. Like, he didn't say anything really like that. Yeah, like, they had, like, it's funny. if if He was just if, like a fucking paperweight. Yeah, it felt like they had, like, they they didn't have, like, that doubt that 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 kelsey was saying like the jennifer hudson character and the jeffrey wright character they didn't have like that that paternal doubt like our, our i mean they said it verbally like our son didn't do it but there was like nothing more to that of just like well let's just wait for the evidence to come out like it almost yeah. it almost felt like they were just witnesses of like this trial yeah like, they almost like took them away from the kid which is like really kind of it's weird they weren't it's like they weren't involved yeah they were really not involved at all mm. um so uh, so I have to ask because we're focusing on these people. What did you think about um, what's the kid's name? Uh, Kelvin Harrison. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. What did you think of his performance? Um, he did a good job. <laughs> really? Yeah, like he's just about as meh as the movie is. Like, uh-huh. but like they chose a, a kid who fits like aesthetically in the role. Like he, yeah. you could tell. Like he looks like a really um thoughtful like uh creative type person like so he he looks like he is that type of person so he would just fit in this role but literally Mm. they're like at least 30 percent of like i would say like i don't i'm pulling numbers out of my ass but Mm. like just i feel like there's a lot of creative black people out there yeah so it's like they could have gotten anybody. Yeah, there's like it's it's weird. There's this thing with this movie where well, uh, where like the kid. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna this. I'm gonna say he acted his ass off. Like I honestly felt he acted his ass off, but he didn't do it in a consistent way. Like he would do a thing where he would just do this thing. I've seen plenty of actors and actresses do this, and it's so fucking funny to me. Where they're like at a two mm-hmm. and then they go to like an 11 mm-hmm. fucking fast they're like yeah yeah i'm really sad the next scene just ah, breaking on the walls like mm-hmm. whoa dude like like you gotta build up to that he's probably just a young actor um let me see what this cat has done um, um while you look up that i'm mm-hmm. gonna say that there were times where like like if i think of um not boots riley the other guy what other guy the one who was in, um, was he in Sorry to Bother You? Well, he's Stanfield. Yeah, he was sorry to that. I have a feel like, it's not everybody, and I'm, I'm really hoping this comes across the right way, but mm. there are some times where I see a black person on screen, and I don't feel any emotion from them at all, and you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not seeing it. Mm. And I'm wondering if it's just because I can't relate but there were times where he could have been more emotional or whatever. Mm. And I and I feel like he was just like, like sometimes like to me, especially younger black people, they seem really indifferent. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So. <clears throat> You're not listening to me at all. No, no, no. I am listening. I'm just look. I'm looking at the, the Calvin Harrison uh, Jr., his IMDb page. I can play for God. He was in fucking trial of the Chicago seven. He played Fred Hampton. 
He played Fred Hampton? Yeah. Like, because like, I, I remember he shows up for like a little bit. Like mm. at some of the beginning of the movie. He plays Fred Hampton. Oh, and he shows up again in the trial, when they're on the trial. Mm-hmm. And he's in, um, he was in the photograph. I do not remember him from that movie at all. Um, and then he's in this movie. It's called Waves, which I've heard nothing but great things about. But, because it has, it has your boy in it. Uh, what's the cat's name? Uh, Sterling K. Brown. Mm. He's in it, but like... Every time I've heard about that movie, it's always been about like, oh, Sterling K. Brown's like performance. Yeah. So I haven't really heard anything about the Calvin Harrison Jr. performance, but his like, it's weird. Cause I, I mean, I th- that I think that kind of that also leads into like the direction because you know an actor is like directed to like act a certain way, mm-hmm. and like and it kind of goes into like that direction, like you're saying, like the direction is like not that great, and I think with the way how Calvin, um, sorry, um. Yeah, Calvin. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kelvin Harrison Jr. His performance is that you can tell his direct. The director was not directing him correctly. Like, hey, mm-hmm. you got to like do this and do this, as opposed of like, because he he was going like I said he was going from like from like two to like eleven mm-hmm. so fast. It was like it got it got uh, repetitive for me in some some of the acting shots. Did you see what shots. I was saying though when I'm talking about like how he's just indifferent sometimes? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I I feel like people aren't directed properly or something anyways and Mm. that's how why i'm starting to feel like i'm seeing a pattern and i don't know if it's like some sort of like lane bias or some shit i don't think so because i remember because i really can't tell what lakeith stanfield is acting half the time okay i think that kind of goes to lakeith stanfield's acting okay Uh, because i wasn't sure if that was just me or not because i really do like him and sorry to bother sorry to bother you but we saw him in um in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. He mm. actually emoted in that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. It's not that. It's not the whole bias thing. It's not like oh, because you're a white woman, you can't like feel this emotion or whatever because it's a uh, like a black actor or actress or anything like that. We're not saying Kelsey's like that at all. Um, um, I think, and I think what you're getting at about me, I because obviously because I I more connect to like these certain characters because it's like skin color and stuff like that and like how they're raised i'm like oh i totally know what that lifestyle mm-hmm. is which is like why certain movies with like white people i'm just like fuck that like um like when you and i were talking about the crown and i'm mm-hmm. like fuck prince charles like fuck that little bitch ass <laughs> fool right and you're just like no but like his dad treated him like shit like, fuck fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i wanted to get there eventually but he was actually nice when he was younger it seemed like oh the uh, prince charles yeah i oh, fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a kid, yeah, but fuck That's that guy. That's what I'm saying. And you were just like, fuck him even when he was like, as soon as you saw him as a baby, you're like, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, so back to Monster. Um, so the, oh, so because I kind of touched a little bit upon the aesthetics. Um, so yeah, like the aesthetic part, like I was digging on. Because you can tell like this was like made with a very artistic style to it. Especially like how the director is having certain scenes uh, scenes <laughs> scenes set up and how like the um like there's that there's that scene where he's where uh where steve is like taking pictures with his camera mm-hmm. and i actually like really like those like how he was kind of doing that and it wasn't anything like super special but i like there like the style of pictures he was taking i've seen like in other types of photography and my brain always goes like well i wonder what that situation was like when the picture was taken Mm-hmm. so like they were doing that and i don't know there was like a level of like okay cool i'm like actually kind of in this scene right now mm-hmm. when he's like taking the pictures and i guess that kind of goes with like 
my style of photography because I like just taking pictures of like random people and mm-hmm. shit like that. So I was enjoying that. What I'm, I have a question for you, and it might be like a little more like on a personal note, mm-hmm. but like when you were watching him take the pictures, mm-hmm. were you interested in his thought process or whatever, or like trying seeing what kind of shots he was getting? Yeah, that was I was interested in that. Um, I like how like how you were saying that I I get uncomfortably close because I want to figure out the person's story. He was kind of doing that with his camera, like getting uncomfortably close with like certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, like that part where like where he met like uh, ASAP Rocky's characters, uh, James King, mm-hmm. and like taking pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Yo, if like I met somebody like that, and he was like, yo, take pictures of me. I'd be like all right yeah totally shit can i hang out with you for a day that'd be a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) no it's funny because i'm asking you because Mm. you were almost talking about him Mm. like how i feel when you're out taking pictures and i'm there with you like like almost like you might not be doing a whole lot but you feel almost involved in it oh okay like you're as much a part of that as they are taking the picture yeah so, yeah, that's why I don't know. I was just kind of like wondering if you could put yourself then in my shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why like whenever like you and I go out and we're taking pictures, I'm in a part. A part of me is like, oh, I feel like I'm just kind of dragging her along. <laughs> no, I never feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Oh, so like one, like I said, one thing I was really like with going back to the aesthetic that I was digging was like that part where he says like interior courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like describing like. How everything is black and white. Yeah, and like it's like cold and devoid of life and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like they had that. I I did I did like that because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that is a courthouse. I thought that was too on the nose. Yeah, I can get a sense of that. I mean, I did, that part didn't bother. Like, like I, I will agree with you that it was too on the nose. But like it didn't the bother aesthetic me so of it was mm-hmm. like the the dialogue wasn't. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that it they were in this courthouse that obviously no other fucking courthouse looks like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like it was like they made that courthouse just so they could have that scene map like his dialogue match up to it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I I think this if I remember correct, I think this is actually based off a novel. Mm. Um and it kinda like comes out as like uh, I think yeah, I think yeah, it's actually based off a novel in 1999. That came out in 1999 called Monster, um, and it's a f- the book uses a mixture of third person screenplay and a first person diary format. I feel like they tried to they tried too hard to say close to the novel. They did. Mm. Um, so that also kind of goes to the direction. Yeah, like no lie, I think this would actually have been way better as like a stage play. Because it could have, like, brought the imagination to the audience as well. They probably could have, but I kind of feel like they didn't put enough of the the kids' art into it mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. And they kind of left, left really important characters out of it, like his parents and, like... And then some of the friends, too. Like, he had a girlfriend. Yeah, I was like, why? I know, that, like, was there and then wasn't there. And, like, anytime she showed up, she was, like, in the background. It's like, y'all, like... Yeah, he was just taking pictures of her. Yeah, like... Okay. Yeah, yeah she's fucking cute. Okay, cool. Yeah. We get it. It's like, yo, like, let's find out how that's working out. Like, you're in jail. you communicating with her in any way or any fashion or anything mm. like that. Yeah. Um, I do think it... Now I'm thinking about it. It does irritate me that they do have Rashomon in this movie to be like, this movie's like Rashomon. No, because it's because how the court proceedings is like so many different angles of like 
what happened that day. Mm-hmm. This is that movie. Now that is like too much on the fucking uh, on the nose, mm-hmm. and that actually kind of irritates me. <laughs> I feel like uh, that movie is a bit of a stretch for comparing it to this one. How do you mean? Because um, that one was all about perspective mm-hmm. and like per- pretty much perspective only, mm-hmm. and this one's about a kid who's street stupid <laughs> and whose parents obviously care about him but only you know like mm. if they were written for a movie gotcha and that's it like i don't know <laughs> like rashomon had so much more depth in it than this one did mm. um so so let's finish off this segment with a question that i have for you what did you think of the ending I know we started talking about the ending before it actually happened and mm-hmm. you're like they're going to they're going to cut and that's it. You're not going to find out the verdict. I'm like no, I think they're going to give you the verdict. Mm. And they did mm. and that and the fact that they gave him a not guilty verdict, mm. I kind of like that mm. because I think it would have been like a cheap or easy way out if they would have not given a verdict mm-hmm. or like not showed you what the verdict was. Mm. Um cuz I think they were trying to make a point. Okay. So no, no, no. I'm not talking about like I'm not talking about the verdict part. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the very ending, where you actually see what happened that day, and oh. how he walked into the convenience store, and how everybody, how like a witness said like, oh, he like wiped his brow, and that was like given the sign. Oh, you're then, so you're asking me how what I thought about him and like his role in that whole thing. Yeah. So there's, I have um, he was 17. Mm-hmm. He is not by any means an adult. It takes you till you're at least 25 to have a developed brain. Yeah. There's no way that a kid with his his mental capacity for understanding how the street works mm. is going to have the fucking balls to tell the guy no. Yeah. Especially after he just ripped his bike out yeah, of his hands. Yeah, his bike, yeah. So, of course, he's going to go into the store. Mm-hmm. But the fact that afterwards he didn't say anything, mm. like, he wasn't guilty. Mm. Like, he's not a monster. He wasn't guilty. He just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And mm. um, it's, re- like, even me in that situation, I think I would have handled it differently. But I don't think I would have been as, like, I- I'd be scared, too. Yeah. Like, I would be scared. Like, yeah. Okay. Because I, like... I, the people like people like how those two guys were like they don't really have a heart and i'm really terrified of heartless people you're talking about the james king character and and uh, john david washington's character right yeah it was playing a thug <laughs> <laughs> um so i i i had I, I i thought about this like later the night when we were watching it um after we watched the movie um so i was thinking about like there's that scene where um or there's like and they mentioned a couple of times, like, how he, like, wiped his brow and that was, like, giving the people, like, the sign, like, it's all good, like, come in, you know, and rob this person, mm-hmm. right? And how he actually was raising his hand because he was, like, looking at the sun and he was, like, picturing, like, oh, this would be, like, a cool shot, like, waving his fingers through. Mm-hmm. It kind of, like, has me think that, like, either he's really naively stupid or, like, he played it like, oh, that could have had me, like, thrown in jail. Because I remember when they were asked, when when the prosecution asked him, oh, did you, you know, did you give him something? He's like, no, I, I, I wiped my brow. 
but he didn't wipe his brow. He raised his hand up, which means he has some thought of like, oh, what I did, I just actually gave him a signal. I inadvertently gave him a signal. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's either night, like he's. Well, being, he did actually say, hey, I was looking at the light. Yeah, but he like. He did say that. Okay. Okay. I didn't hear. I, I must have like missed that part. But just the fact that like, I don't know, like he didn't like, it was almost like, I'm not saying he had to admit it in court. Like I did raise my hand, but it wasn't to this because obviously the prosecution would have been like, boom, you're guilty. That's your mm-hmm. sign right there. Right. But it was like. In a way of like, oh, I dodged a bullet. And I know I dodged a bullet. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a way of like, do you think I'm a monster? I'm just like, no, dude, you're you're kind of stupid in some sense. <laughs> yeah. Like how like how Kelsey said, he was street st- I've never heard this. I've never heard it said that way, but like street stupid. <laughs> I just made that shit up. I've never heard that before either. Yeah, like we've heard street smart, but like street stupid is like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah, dude, you're fucking street stupid. And that's when I was just like. All right, you I don't know, really I, that's when you grow up calling people like, fucking stoop. <laughs> fucking stoop. <laughs> that's what we used to call people who were stupid. Fucking stoop. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, I felt like I felt like this movie could have been something more. Like aesthetically wise, like the look of it looks cool, but everything else is just like it's either forgettable or it's kind of like frustrating to think about it. Yeah. Um. Do you know if the directors ever worked on anything of importance? Um, so because I feel like that person needs... You know how there are people who work well on their own and other people who need someone else to bounce off of to be their better self? Mm. I don't think this guy should ever work alone. So, okay, so Anthony Matt, Mandler, Mandler. Mandler, he's mainly done music videos. Okay, and that, it makes, that shows. Yeah, it completely makes sense. Because he's done videos for like Rihanna, Nicki Minaj... Um, Justin Bieber, uh, Jay Z, Shakira, Jennifer Lopez, so it, and Lenny Kravitz. It makes complete sense of why it would look like that because it looks like a music a music video director made this. Mm-hmm. Um, this and it's not like he was just getting being a music director to make money so he could become a director because mm-hmm. there are people who are like that out there. It seems like he really wanted to be a music director. Yeah, and it, I mean, he's made a lot. And it, let me see. This is actually his. It looks like his first feature, and he's got another one come out called like Surrounded. But you, that one's gonna be boring too. Uh, maybe not. Let me see. You can't judge by who's in it either, because. <laughs> oh wow! He has a lot of good people in it. Holy shit! It has uh, it has what's his name? It has a Letitia Wright in it and Michael K- Kenneth Williams in it. Oh, is it man. another black? Um, yeah, uh, former Buffalo soldier Mo Washington travels west to lay claim on a gold mine. After her stagecoach is ambushed, Mo is tasked, tasked with holding a dangerous outlaw captive and must survive the day when the bandit's uh, gang tries to free him. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, I don't know. All right, we'll just have to wait and see what that happens with that one. But as of now, this is like, meh. <laughs> meh. Yeah. All right, what do we got now? Now we are going to do our variety time. So there is a reason why we called it Big Trouble at the Golden Globes. I came across a news article yesterday and I shared it with Mark and I think it just kind of evolved into like He's like, I need to do some research on that. I <laughs> yeah. think he did research on oh, that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, let's just do this. 
<laughs> yeah, so other than just like, you know, finding out what movie's coming out and who's starring in it and stuff like that, I love the insider baseball aspect of the Hollywood industry. Because, mm-hmm. like, you see this happening, you're just like, oh, I'm a, something's going to happen it's to, like, like, a bunch of shit. the tip of the iceberg. If something comes out in the news, <clears throat> you know there's at least five times the amount of drama behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can like, get involved in, like, for anybody listening, if you get involved in the behind-the-scenes part of Hollywood, you can start predicting what's going to happen. It's like, like it's insider baseball. Like, oh, uh, or, like, football or, like, any trade, you're just like, oh, you figure out the behind-the-scenes, you can see what's going to happen, like, when shit comes to light. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So just to start off the bat, okay. So the Golden Globes 2020-22 is canceled by NBC amid mounting uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association scandal. So here's what happened: the LA Times had done this like piece back in February, and it revealed uh, with accusations of self-dealing and overall lack of voter transparency, the organization had voted not to hire a diversity consultant in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protest last summer and declined to participate in press conference with Bridgerton, Girls Trip. And Queen and Slim, but they're all predominantly black films. Mm-hmm. There now, the thing with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, or uh, uh, HFPA, they have been known to like not have a diverse like people behind doing these uh, working this organization. Mm-hmm. Like you want to talk about like Oscar so white, HFPA super white, platinum, platinum white, <laughs> um, and they have like a tendency of not. Like acknowledging like minority uh, performances or like minority shows or movies and stuff like that because they don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as far as it goes, like the Golden Globes twenty twenty two is like canceled. Yeah, and I was like, I. They'll probably still have the Globes, but they probably won't be as. Uh, they probably won't be televised. Yeah. Well. Like I said, this is actually... Or it'll stream online somewhere. Well, this is, like, making some serious waves. So, um, so Comcast, that owns NBC, um, they made a statement uh, in May of... May 10th, so Monday. Um, it is, the statement was, We continue to believe that the HFPA is committed to meaningful reform. However, change of this magnitude takes time and work, and we sh- uh, feel strongly strongly that the HFPA needs time to do it right. As such, NBC will not air uh, 2020, sorry, 2022 Golden Globes, assuming the organization executes on its plan. We are hopeful we will see, uh, be in a position to air the show in January 2023. Um, so you want to mention like who, uh, like the people who are just like, fuck this organization? Yeah. Um, so such big names as Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson, um, they basically sided with people who don't agree with the organization. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, especially following the expose. Um, Netflix and Amazon and Warner Media all um, swore off the HFPA and the Golden Globes until they've made changes, like substantial changes. Mm. Um, and then uh, last week... Um, a group, the group released a framework for reform um, that includes measures to increase the number of people of color. Um, the plan was approved on Thursday. Also includes new restrictions on gifts um, that the members could receive in payments for work on their committees. Mm-hmm. But also, I know that 
Tom Cruise also handed back his awards. Yep. He was just like, y'all can have these back. Yep. Um, and then it, it's weird because he's like, here, have these back. Mm. And then all of a sudden people are like, hey, remember that video that he was screaming at people for? Oh, I know, right? Like, the, the why, co- like, why do you need to bring that shit up? Because this is something the HFPA does. They do shit like this. Here's a story. Brennan Fraser. Remember Brendan Fraser was all over the place? Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember he was no longer all over the place? Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. He did an interview about this, too. I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing this stuff. But what happened was that he was sexually assaulted by a member of the HFPA mm-hmm. and tried to speak out. They fucking buried his career. Mm-hmm. So the HFAP, HFPA, who, like, you know, the plan, their plan is... Um, they they've been known to like not have minorities in their group mm-hmm. uh, in the in the in the in the organization and known to take gifts bribes um from like other people so that whole tom cruise thing i wouldn't be surprised if like yeah this is what they did like they they wanted to like take the steam or take some of the some of the heat off of them and it was like oh i remember that tom cruise was like yelling at people and i, I saw tom all cruise. it does is make him look like a little bit of a white savior but I, not like anything like people being mad at him about yeah and i remember like they somebody i they they asked tom cruise about that they're like oh yeah about this video about you yelling at people screaming at, and i before i say what he said uh what's it what's the actress name um who did like the the Scientology like expose shows? Oh, or Leah Remini. Yeah, I remember Leah Remini had said something that like, oh yeah, that video that Tom Cruise did like of him yelling at people. Yeah, that was all staged. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if it was all staged, why would that? Why would that? I'm not, now I'm not calling her bullshit on all her stuff. I'm just calling her bullshit on that. Yeah. If it was staged, why would somebody bring this video out to tight to try to make Tom Cruise look like a bad guy? Because they're not Scientologists. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Tom Cruise, they asked him about that. Like the the press asked him about that, and he was like, "I meant what I said." Like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, "Hey, we all want to be safe here. Like, I, I I would do it again. Like, yeah, like it, like if I, if I was if I was somebody of power who was on a set and all that shit was happening, I would lose my fucking mind too." Yeah. Exactly. Um, so Scarlett Johansson, she came out, um, she came out and had a, a statement. She said, uh, as an actor pr- promoting a film, uh, one is expected to participate in award season by attending press conferences as well as awards shows. Um, in the past, this has often meant fa- faces sexist questions and remarks by the HFPA members. I, I'm well aware of all this that bordered on sexual harassment and the exact reason why I, for many years, refused to participate in their conferences. That's one reason. That's one. Um, it brings me to mind on like, um, I can't speak. Apparently mm-hmm. there was like a, a, a video clip that I saw of mm-hmm. like how people ask women different questions. Than oh, they do yeah. men. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. one person, I guess after she was working as like the black widow, mm-hmm. someone asked her like, it was a male who asked her, like, so, like, uh, what kind of underwear do you wear under that? Like, like, you know, because it must be, like, I don't know. Like, uncomfortable really, or, or something. Or you like can't that. show any lines or something. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, do I, like, why do you want to know? Do I ask you what kind of underwear you're wearing? Like. I think I remember seeing that. Didn't she say, like, wh- I think she said, didn't she say something like, why aren't you asking, like, Chris Hemsworth or Chris yeah, Evans these yeah. questions? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. 
Um, she has she has a continuous statement and said the HFPA is the organization that has legitimized by the likes of Harvey Weinstein, um, Weinstein, oof, to a uh, a mass monument. Momentum. Momentum, thank you, for Academy rec- uh, recognition. And the industry uh, follows suit, unless this is necessary. Unless there is necessary, necessary thank you. yeah, fundamental reform within the organization. I believe it is time that we take a step back from the HFPA and focus on the importance and strength of unity within our unions and the industry as a whole. And also, you know, like, maybe start paying attention to people with real stories instead of picking and choosing, you know, what's popular Mm. from within the industry what was that movie you were you were talking to me about this movie um it's like emma in paris or something like that oh emily in paris yeah 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 what did you say that was one of the ones that was like won an award and everyone was like what like (laughs) where did that come from and there were plenty of other films that could have won for whatever that one for um so i don't really like I don't remember exactly what, but, um, yeah, like, I don't know. Um, oh, okay. So, oh, here it is. This is what it is. Okay. So it was a, it was a writer for Emily in Paris. Um, she even pointed out the, that the show I may destroy you, uh, by, I think it's like Michaela, uh, M I C H A E L A. Yeah, Michaela. Yeah, Michaela Coles. Okay, I I haven't seen I May Destroy You, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. Mm-hmm. I May Destroy You was not nominated, but Emily in Paris was. And the writer was like, I wrote on that. Why did you give us a nomination? Yeah. This is from the gold this is for the Golden Globe. So yeah. Um the Netflix comedy was re- was rewarded. Uh, Michael Coles bold series as snubbed an oversight that symbolizes a larger issue. So, yeah. so it's not just about like black people or like minorities, mm. but also like as a whole, it's like a, a bro club, like uh, for if it's Netflix or Hulu, it's not important. Yeah. Like, it's like this weird yeah. thing. Like it's got to be a movie made by like a, a white male or, that goes into the fucking theaters and like. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, it's funny because like that mentality was very prevalent. Uh during like a war season, especially when like Netflixes were getting award nominations, like Oscar nominations, and people were just like, "Is it really a movie?" Because it's streaming, and it started this huge debate about, "Oh, maybe it, like if it's a movie, it has to be in the theaters, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, it's, it doesn't count if it's streaming." Then what? And how do you say that maybe a television movie can be nominated for you know like all this stupid ass debate, right? Yeah, but it's got to be good. It can't be a fucking Hallm- Hallmark movie. Yeah, like. yeah. But like we've like. Like as time has gone on, you know, and especially after the pandemic. Yeah, after the pandemic, like studios like uh, like Amazon Studios is one of them. Netflix, obviously, HBO and stuff like that. These stuff that have been produced streaming uh, or by these streaming services have been nominated for Oscars, like documentaries and stuff like that. But from my understanding, the Golden Globe still has that mentality, that old man mentality, that old guard mentality. Mm -hmm. It has to be in the theaters, otherwise, it's not cinema. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, Steven Spielberg even famously said that, like, about, you know, is it really a movie if it's streaming? Scorsese. Yeah, Scors- Scorsese. No, Scorsese. He, be- cha- he did change his mind, I think. He changed his mind because Netflix was like, yo, you want to make your Irishman come over here? 
And now he's like making another movie yeah, for Netflix. Exactly. So Spielberg, like I said, Spielberg, who was like considered one of the greatest directors of all time, and like you know, even like a best Spielberg's, even a bad Spielberg film is like another director's best work. Mm-hmm. Um, Spielberg, who like was just saying about the whole streaming thing, whatever. He's on Apple TV. Yeah. So even he's come around. <laughs> yeah. And here we go with the HF, uh, HFPA who's just like, I don't know. You don't really count. Because they go where the money is. That's why. Mm. So. Um, and it, it ain't with the HFPA anymore because they're fucking assholes. So. Yeah. So the Time's Up group also jumped on this and they were just like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> so Time's Up and the correlation of, of publicity firms that has put pressure on Hollywood's foreign press associations to change its ways have applauded NBC's decision to scrap um, the Golden Globes from 2022 telecast. Um, so, you know, they've jumped on it. Um, I remember when this stuff was already kind of building up, like, last year. Mm-hmm. The HFPA was already like, all right, we're going to start implementing changes. We promise. Mm-hmm. Fucking promise. We're in February now. They haven't changed shit. <laughs> um, so uh, you want to take this quote from what the H- uh, HFPA had a statement from? Um, you're talking about the board issued the statement? Yeah, yeah, the board, yeah. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the next air date of the Golden Globes, implementing transformational changes as quickly and as thoughtfully as possible remains a top priority for our organization. We invite our partners in the industry to the table to work with us on the systematic reform that is long overdue, both in our organization as well as within the industry at large. Yeah. So basically, that's a very canned response. Yeah. Um, so they're looking for other people to help them and they're not willing to be creative enough to come up with ways that mm. they the people have been telling them anyway. Yeah. So they have uh, with that statement, they have released like a timeline of what they expect to happen. Uh, it's called the HFPA reform milestone. Um, I'll just read you like. I'll, so like it starts as soon as the week of May 3rd. Um, and it goes through, looks like, the week of August 2nd. So they're trying to, like, they they have published a timeline of what they plan to do. Like, one of the things, for example, is, like, the week of May 3rd, uh, members may consider an overwhelming vote to approve the impl- and implement the board's plan for transfer- transformational change. Board continues to meet with uh, advocacy groups to develop initiatives to fulfill the HFPA's commitment to add at least 20 new members by August of 2021 and increase membership by 50% in 18 months if they have to increase membership by 50 percent, that must mean they have a small fucking group mm-hmm. which is always bad um it says eradicating the new member one year moratorium on voting all new members will have all voting rights by day one uh board and members approve hiring hiring of ropes and gray to amid and restate bylaws and other governing documents to implement member-approved plan for transformational change. So that's like one thing they plan to they get done by um, May the 3rd, which or the week of May the 3rd, which is hopefully actually put in action. Um, but we have to wait to see if yeah. any of this shit is going to stick. Yeah. Um, I think it might, because I remember, well... Like I said, I think it is going to take time because I remember there was the Oscar so white thing, mm-hmm. and it took a while for it to like for us to actually see the changes. We saw changes, but they didn't change as much as we had hoped either. Yeah. Judging by the last. Oh, by the last Oscar. Yes, big eye roll. <laughs> Who's that eye roll for? 
Um, Francis McDormand. I knew, I knew you were to go there. I knew what you say. Yeah, Viola Davis got robbed. Yeah. That was messed up. Um, and fucking Chadwick Boseman. Don't get me wrong. I like <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins, but. Yeah. Come on. Chadwick Boseman. I was, I was for Riz Ahmed. I think Riz Ahmed should have won. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not part of the, the. I'm not part of the Academy. So you should be. I know I should be. <laughs> Yo, Academy, hit me up. going to do our geriatric cinematic of Rashomon. わたしは the synopsis is the rape of a bride and the murder of her samurai husband are recalled from the perspectives of a bandit, the bride, the samurai's ghost, and a woodcutter. Directed by Akira Kurosawa. Written by Akira Kurosawa and Shinobu Hashimoto. Um, it, store, it stores. Stores. <laughs> <laughs> it stars uh, Toshiro Mifune, um, Machiko Kyo, Masayuki Mori, Takashi Shimura, and Minoru, uh, Minoru Chiaki. Mm. Yes. Rashomon. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So just like any film junkie, got to be familiar with a Kurosawa film. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you to gotta watch these Kurosawa films and be like, oh, I've seen that in this movie. I've seen that in that movie. I see where they, they get the influence from, all this kind of stuff. So I've seen um, Seven Samurai and I've seen um, uh, Hidden Fortress. All excellent films. Mm-hmm. Excellent films, right? Um, I've never, I've unfortunately haven't taken the time to like see anything else beyond that. Uh, and it's not because I'm just like, oh yeah, I could curse out. It's just, it's not. It's like, there's a lot of movies out there. <laughs> there's a lot of shit to catch up on. Yeah. Um, so I had never seen Rashomon before, uh, before we decided to do it for this episode. Because I remember we were going to do uh, a Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. And, I, and while we were watching, uh, what's it called? Monster. I was like, eh, we probably should have done Rashomon instead. So we're doing Rashomon. You want to hear something funny? Hmm. I told my dad what we were going to do. Mm. And like we hadn't decided yet. And mm. he's like, have you seen Shawshank Redemption? I'm like, no. <laughs> he was like, that's a really good movie. You yeah, should watch it. Is. <laughs> I haven't met anybody who doesn't like that movie. And my dad actually doesn't really like movies. Case in point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is actually our, like I said, this is our first time watching Rashomon. You know, I I'm, I knew what to expect somewhat in a, a Kurosawa film. Uh, but, you know, what's more important is what, is Kel- what did Kelsey think of it? I really like this movie. Yes. If you didn't like a Kurosawa film, you were dead to me. <laughs> dead. D-E-D. Dead. I hated it. You hated it? Yeah. All right. No. That's it for a show. Um... I'm going to tell you the one negative thing. Mm. 
And I say this because it's not that big a deal and everything else was positive. Mm. I was very annoyed by the bride's take. Mm-hmm. Because it was just a lot of fucking crying. I was annoyed by that. I think that was the point of it. The, the, t- for the, the bride to be overly dramatic. No, o- I, I like, like to sell it. I'm the victim in all this. I get it. Yeah. It's still annoying. Mm. It was okay. like, I just, I don't like hearing whiny people. Like, okay, do you think, like, that story was annoying? Or the fact that this woman was constantly crying was the annoying thing? That, that's what I meant. The oh, fact okay. that she was constantly crying, mm-hmm. that was the annoying thing. I think Kurosawa, like, did his job. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think, I mean, I don't know what the dude was thinking while he was putting this movie together, but I think that was actually, like, his purpose. No, I, think, purpose I think the purpose was mm-hmm. she's supposed to be overly dramatic. Yeah, yeah. I don't think his purpose was you want to punch her in the fucking face. <laughs> Maybe. No. We, we, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get that medium that's in this in, that's in Rashomon and then have her contact Kurosawa and she'll dance around and shit like that to tell the story. <laughs> um, okay, so what did, what did you like about it? Um, the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I used to be when I was a lot younger mm. couldn't stand black and white films. Oh, you're one of those people. Well, no. The thing is, it's really hard for me. Like, I don't know if it's because my eyes are so light or what it is, but I really have a hard time focusing on certain things sometimes. Oh, and I'm sure, like, the black and white doesn't help. Yeah, especially if it's not super clear. But this one was restored, and it was much easier, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But I remember, like, watching Christmas Carol, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in some parts. Yeah, yeah. You probably... And when you watch this, you probably watch like a bad, like bad uh, copy, or bad something. copy. Of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so even though it's black and white, like it's great, like yeah. And yeah. It, you know, I've since come to the dark side. Like I like black and white films. No, no, you know? that's the light side. <laughs> the dark side is being like, I don't like black and white. I, I've met people who are like that. Mm. I was like, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, we can't be friends. Goodbye. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, so, what about the aesthetic that 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 caught your attention um one thing in particular was kind of i'm all okay i'll mention something else after this Mm. but when the um the bandit is laying under the tree kind of taking a nap oh yeah you commented on that there's a couple things where he like keeps like you know slapping at mosquitoes on him and Mm. like scratching that Mm. one spot and then you know that's it and then he does it again in a different spot Mm. But if he was laying there, you know, he was kind of half asleep, still slapping at mosquitoes or whatever. But Mm. then the light from the sun between the leaves Mm. was like going across his face and that kind of was waking him up. And there was like a like a chimey kind of sound. And it was kind of even without the the music was Mm -hmm. still kind of like dreamlike. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was very kind of dreamy in a lot of the different scenes. Mm hmm. And um, I know when I told you that, you said that you thought that was on purpose. Yeah. Because it was their recollection, which is almost kind of like a dream because it's in your mind. It yeah. doesn't exist in reality anymore. Yeah. The other thing is I kind of like his choice of music. Oh, yeah. His choice of music was fucking phenomenal. Like, I didn't think that was, like, possible for older films. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because yeah, I, I get what you're saying, because so, a lot of older films, they're, like, overly dramatic, like, dun-dun-dun-dun, like, and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of dated yeah. or whatever. But 
when uh, the bandits walking, no, not the bandit, the woodcutters walking through the woods. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the music, but it was really good. Mm. And then there was like this really kind of playful kind of music when the bandits sleeping mm. or like laying under the tree and you see the bride and the samurai and he's walking her on the horse. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, it was just kind of like the music was almost like its own character. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I really liked that too. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, going off what you said about the aesthetic, there's like the aesthetic looks really great. Even like, and I get what you're saying about like certain black and white films, it's kind of hard to focus on what's going on and you would figure that this one would actually really have a hard time because there's a lot of uh like motion in the background because they're in they're in the forest mm-hmm. they're like move these branches are moving you're kind of, you can kind of like get lost in what they're doing and stuff like that mm-hmm. but well even the light shining through the leaves mm-hmm. you would you wouldn't expect the light and the shadow to be so crisp after all this time yeah yeah and that, that you know that that's credence to like the rest of the uh, the restoration that this movie got. Mm-hmm. Um, one part of the aesthetic that like I like, and it, it it's it's been on my mind actually since we've watched it. There's this amazingly great shot where the camera is like looking up, mm-hmm. and it like pans down. It does a what's called a uh, like a pedit. Uh, what's it called? Like a I think it's called like a pedestal shot mm-hmm. where the camera like drops, mm-hmm. and it's like slowly dropping. And the way how it drops, you see like when it drops you see the horse and you see the 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 wife by the lake like kind of covered up like that mm-hmm. and it's like a really beautiful shot because it's like all this blackness you can mm-hmm. tell you're in the forest with all this blackness and you see like white like the white figures like sticking out it was almost like a 3d effect yeah um and that goes into like you know kurosawa's like level of like direction because i would just like fuck i need that like on a poster or, or mm-hmm. in a frame or something like that yeah um but yeah like i was the the dreamlike part of it was like so it like and it, it didn't it didn't do like any like cheap tricks where it was like you know like like a blurry effect like oh mm-hmm. you're in a dream or anything like that it just gave you the sense of like oh this is kind of like a dreamlike scenario mm-hmm. or we're in we're really in somebody's memory mm-hmm. um, without any like cheap tricks or anything like that, which it it didn't it. Like, I felt like Chris Howard didn't do that because he would be like, that's too much distracting from, like, what the story I'm trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else of this, the aesthetic that caught you? I really like the trial. Mm-hmm. So, one, so, the one thing that American movies do that sometimes can get kind of old is they make the judge, like, the centerpiece of the action. Like, they're so authoritarian, and, you know. Yeah. You don't see anybody at all Mm. you see the first witness then you see the second witness with the first witness sitting back in the distance like and you don't hear anybody asking them any questions or anything but they're like huh and then they'll give them oh yeah this is what happened blah 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 blah. Mm. um i really like that because it makes it more focused on their version of the story Mm. um also, the guy who played the bandit, yeah, you said he's like in most of Akira Kurosawa's films. Yeah, uh, Toshida uh, Mifune. Yeah, he was like in Seven Samurai. He's in Hidden Fortress. Um, yeah, that character. He has very 
expressive eyes mm-hmm. and the way he plays a crazy guy pretty good <laughs> yeah like and seven samurai he kind of plays like the kind of like wild card in the group and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but like his acting is like so great when it comes to um like how you said he, he has such expressive eyes and kurosawa like utilizes that a lot mm-hmm. especially like a lot of like those close-up shots when you're getting like this these like facial expressions with him mm-hmm. like there's this really great part where he kind of like tilts his head and he does this like very perplexed look mm-hmm. but it seems like like on the surface he seemed like he's dumbfounded but at the same time you're thinking like oh he's like calculating it's like what he's gonna do to get the um the samurai husband away from his wife i always got a sense of like oh he's calculating but he's very fucking stupid at the same time. <laughs> yes. He's stupid, but yet cunning. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, one other thing I liked was the bride. Mm. There honestly wasn't anything super special about her beauty or anything. Mm-hmm. She, she was she was beautiful in like a really simple kind of way. Yeah. And... The, and again, the use of her eyes, like she, the way she would like look around was like really interesting how, how he directed her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, going off of, of uh, Toshiro uh, Mifune, uh, I found a picture of him with like a turtleneck and a, looks like with a bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, he looked pretty fucking hot. <laughs> My God, I was like, oh shit, damn dude. <laughs> um but yeah the the one with the wife um or the the actress um i you know i i liked her performance uh because she had like they all had to do this but i seem like with her it seemed like it seemed like she did like the best part she was like the best out of the three where she had essentially have like three different types of like emotions uh like oh, I'm sorry, three different types of performances between each story. I caught that. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, but I don't think they were all different. Mm-hmm. I thought only the last story was different. She was yeah, still yeah, kind yeah. of helpless and crying and stuff in all the other versions, yeah. but not the first, not the last. Yeah, one. I, I guess I, I would say like in like varying degree, like oh, she's like a little bit, she's a little bit sadder in this one. She's a little bit more acceptable of what's going on, or a little bit more cold, or like whatever. Um. But yeah, that last story where you where it was, uh, I believe it was the woodcutter mm-hmm. had was just like, no, this is what really happened, and you see how manipulative she was. I was like, oh my god, I love this fucking movie. I know. <laughs> I'm like, she's a fucking bitch. I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like that. I, like that last story. Like it's funny because like it's like building up because you're getting like like these different sides of stories, right? And I think it's so cool, like. And some movies, and some movies, this would like kind of fall flat. But how, in the middle of the movie, they drop like this mystery, where where the medium comes in to like tell the story of the husband samurai, and how oh he how he he just he says like I'm in hell, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, what well, why is he in hell? Like if he was murdered, why is he in hell? Mm-hmm. So it kind of like leaves this mystery, and then like that mystery solved where you're just like, oh, because he was about to kill like. Like, he had this intention of, like, killing him and killing the wife. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, shit. It was, like, because of the <laughs> wife. Oh, it's so good. It's so goddamn good. And that's kind of good, too, because it's, like, you get a sense that the movie was kind of 
misogynist about her role and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the fact that he went to hell, mm. it's kind of like Akira Kurosawa's way of saying, like, no, that's a really fucking dirtbag way of seeing a woman being raped. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, how fucking progressive this movie is. How this woman's, like, <laughs> manipulating these men and shit. No, if you're going to talk about progressive, mm-hmm. the very last bit where um, one of the guys listening or was it the was it the woodcutter but he there was the baby crying and the priest had the oh, baby oh that was like a that was a commoner the commoner yeah and how he uh he did something wrong yeah like they found like it's it, okay so i i do have like one small minor issue it's a, it doesn't take away from the movie but it's just how it's how the woodcutter the minor oh the the woodcutter, the commoner, and the priest, how they're, like, talking. They're telling this story for a while. There's, like, a rainstorm going on around, like, all around them. And then out of nowhere, there's, like, a baby crying. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, like, comes out of nowhere. Like, wait, like, there was a baby here the whole time? This is, like, one small issue I have with it, but not it's not too much. Um, but, yeah, the commoner goes to where the baby's at that's covered, like, in all this, like, clothing material to keep warm. And he takes the material and he's like, leaves the baby there mm-hmm. so for, like, to freeze. So then there's like this kind of like uh, spat back and forth between the commoner and the woodcutter, mm-hmm. um, which I think it was, I think what's like revealed with that, I think it was like so fucking good. Yeah. I don't remember. That's oh, I, you don't remember? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so. I know that he's like, well, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm taking this kimono. Like, what happened to the parents leaving the baby here? They had to know someone was going to come by and do something. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember what was wrong with the other guy. Well, what happened was that because because when the woodcutter was like, no, this is what really happened. Okay, but they were, there was something they kept coming back to. And it was it was the wife's, um, it was the wife's dagger. Mm-hmm. And how they couldn't find the dagger. Oh, yeah. And, like, when they asked the bandit, the bandit was like, oh, like... That was the one stupid thing I did. I didn't take it with me so I could pawn it for more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what the whole thing revealed is that the commoner is like, like, I'm not stupid, woodcutter. You took, like, you took that, uh, that, uh. The dagger. You took that dagger. You took the dagger out of the guy's heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like. Oh, yeah, because the lady was, like, uh, the, the, um, psychic lady was telling the story of the samurai and yeah. and they, they didn't reveal at that time who did it but he said through her like yeah and you know out of the darkness somebody pulled the dagger out of my heart yeah yeah and that's like the commoner is saying like you're no better than the people you just talked about mm-hmm. could you took you took something from a dying man mm-hmm. and i thought that was just like fuck <laughs> that's a fucking twist right there yeah but it, the twist like adds a level of like you know, is this this guy who claiming to be good, who's like trying to like protect his baby or whatever, like he's he has his demons as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does in a very subtle way that I think it's just like so masterfully done. It's actually very pertinent to today. Oh if yeah, you think absolutely. About it, oh yeah. If you want to apply it to like people who are poverty stricken and how they're always like thrown into situations where mm-hmm. they're robbing convenience stores or they're like selling drugs because they need to make money yeah. so they can eat yeah um like you can't i guess there's levels of gray right there's yeah. not black and white you can't say tra- strictly see it as black and white 
um, even like how the priest like took the kid and was like, um, was telling the woodcutter like, no, I'm gonna take this kid from you. Like, I'm gonna take this kid. I'm essentially take this kid and protect this kid from you because mm-hmm. you're not so good either. Mm-hmm. And then the woodcutter was just like, like I have six other kids. What's one more? Yeah, yeah. And that and that kind of like opens like the idea of like, all right, there are bad. There is there's levels of gray, but there still is like a level of hope. Yeah, out there. Um. So check this out. So I found some trivia <clears throat> on this movie. Uh, so this is Kurosawa's first film to be nominated for an Oscar. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is this movie is very is known for having the very early use of the handheld camera technique. Really? Yeah, because like back then they had fucking these huge ass things to shoot film, right? Mm-hmm. They hadn't like really. I mean, they had condensed uh cameras but like the quality was shit mm-hmm. um was that oh that, that was my court sorry <laughs> um so this film is often given credit for the first time <clears throat> first time a camera was pointed directly at the sun hmm. um it says in kurosawa's biography it gives credit to his he gives credit to a cinematographer for inventing it and and, and himself for using it but late years later during commentary that proceeded on a TV showing of the film, the head studio claim credit. So Kurosawa like bitterly denied that claim mm-hmm. that the studio credit created that. Like the studio, that doesn't make any sense anyway. Like the studio didn't fucking create that. Come on. I don't know. The studio's supposed to be cool. They're like, yeah, we did this first. Mm-hmm. We did because of this. Um, so yeah, this film is uh, what? Oh shit. Directors like Federico Fellini, one of my favorite directors, Woody Allen, uh, Satya Ray, Ingram Bergman, and John Hewson consider this as one of their favorite films. I think this is like a lot of people's favorite films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think out of like, well, out of this one, Seven Samurai and like Hidden Fortress, I think this one to me is this most art- artistic one. Well, like I said, there are a ton of Kurosawa films that I haven't seen, but from what I've seen of like the three, um, especially like the three big like samurai films of his of the Kurosawa like filmography, this is probably to me his most like artistically aesthetic one. Mm-hmm. I feel that Seven Samurai, Seven samurai is his most emotional one mm-hmm. because like certain characters die in that movie, and I was just like, oh shit, no, no not that one. <laughs> um, I think what also does really well about this movie is like there is like a small level of disconnect when it comes to like foreign films. Because mm-hmm. you get like that subtitle, and maybe the acting doesn't like fully translate mm-hmm. well, you know. Like for, the culture doesn't always make sense. Yeah, for us, I think this movie it doesn't lack that at all. No, like you felt everything that they mm-hmm. were delivering. And it like, was, like it all makes sense. Like bandits make sense, brides mm-hmm. make sense, like samurais make sense. Yeah, murder makes sense. Yeah, you know all that kind of stuff. Babies and, crying on the steps makes sense. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Weird um, psychics in the courtroom make sense. <laughs> I mean. Kind of. That's, that's not unheard of. <laughs> that's not unheard of. Um, so at the time, uh, Kurosawa would often shoot uh, multiple uh, with multiple cameras, which was a rarity back then. Mm-hmm. That's like a common thing now. Yeah. This is like a rarity. He said this made editing continuity easier. It made it easier, but I'm sure it also people were afraid of it because oh, yeah. it cost so much more. Oh, yeah, because this was like film. Film was not cheap. Yeah. Fuck, film's still not cheap. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I absolutely love this f- film. I fuck it's so good, man. I can't. I got it. I wonder what, what spine number it is. Uh, 
Oh, for the Criterion Collection? Because mm-hmm, I hope it's like in the single. I don't know. Let me see. Uh, I honestly feel like it's that good. For uh, Rashomon. Yeah. Well, I, from my understanding, they don't really do spine numbers. To, oh, it's not. They don't do spine numbers. It's not on the Criterion <clears throat> Collection? No, no, it, it, is. it oh. is. They don't do spine numbers based on popularity. They do it based on like the number of, of creation. So this is like spine number like 138. What do you mean creation? Like it was like oh, but like like for example, um, like older films will get a lower number. Yeah, because like they came out like, first. Yeah, they came out first. They came out a certain period. Gotcha. And like other that's mo- that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because then because then the, you're starting to debate. Oh, Criterion Collection this is the number one film. Well, I think it's not the number one film. Blah, 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 all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, speaking of number one films, mm-hmm. I just remembered this. So, people consider Orson Welles... I mean, Orson Welles. Um, what's it called? Citizen Kane. is mm-hmm. like the greatest movie ever, right? Um, oh, wait, wait. Actually, I was going to tell you one story, but I'll tell you another story. Here we go. When the film was released internationally to rave reviews, many speculated that Kurosawa was influenced by Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Okay? in the element of flashbacks that ultimately provided conflicting accounts of events. However, Kurosawa said he had never seen that movie. And also, it makes way more sense than that movie did. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what was I going with this with Citizen Kane? Oh, yeah. So, Citizen Kane. Okay. So, Rotten Tomatoes had Citizen Kane had, I'll say had, had Citizen Kane at 100%. Mm-hmm. Right. Perfect score. Rotten Tomatoes doing this thing where they're, like, implementing, like, these super old reviews mm-hmm. because they want to share what people had thought of a particular movie at a certain time. But that affects the score. I'm sure it's tanking all the cult, cult classics that were shit movies when they came out, but people love them now. Yeah, there. I know there are some like cult movies that have like picked up over time. But run from my understanding, uh, Citizen Kane is no longer at 100%. I think it's at like 99. I think it's at 99. Which because means, it has the one bad review. Let me see. Uh, let me look at Rotten Tomato score. Um, okay, so the Rotten Tomato score for Citizen Kane. Is drum roll blah 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 Hold up, hold up. 2017. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Paddington 2 is 100%. So it's, you know, Paddington 2 is the best movie that was ever created. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the spine number on that movie? I know. Um, all right, so do you have anything to, add, anything to add else to this movie? I think it's funny that John Huston considered it one of his favorite films. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, the subject of Citizen Kane pretty much. No, no, John, no, 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 not that, that's a different guy. John Huston is the, uh, no, John Huston is a director. So who, um, so who was the, because Houston made me think. Howard Hughes. No, 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 that's Howard Hughes. That's the, that's the navigator. Um, let me see. Citizen Kane, uh, let me see, based on. You know, my brain's not making the right connections again. Um, 
It was a granite. Da, 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 da. Oh, I can't find it. Who oh, I, I, I did that wrong. That's why. Was Citizen Kane about? Oh, it's about uh, William Randolph Hearst. Oh, Hearst and Houston. That, yeah, I see you get that. I see you get that mixed up. I, I see it. Um, okay, all right, all right. So all in all, uh, Kelsey, do you think Rashomon still holds up? Yes. I do, too. It is, you know, it's, it's one of those movies that's like, yo, if you love film, if you love cinema, fucking watch Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Watch more Kurosawa films. There's a, there's a Kurosawa film I've been meaning to watch. I've, I've, like, I've seen video essays on and fuck i'm so eager to watch this movie this movie called high high and low mm-hmm. which like kurosawa it's not a it's not a samurai film it's kurosawa really fucking with like composition and then like background and foreground and like what each character is trying to say without uh dialogue mm-hmm. um i so want to watch that movie with you just to be like let's just watch this movie yeah i want to watch that yeah um so yeah as i said fully agree with kelsey movie still holds up it's a fucking cinema classic Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, is there anything else? No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. We especially like to thank uh, the people at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Uh, for all your film news, TV news, reviews, especially from our co-host Kelsey, you can go to Your Entertainment. How do you? Corner. Cor- your Entertainment Corner. Com. I need to update that on the docket. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also find this podcast and all previous podcasts on all podcast catchers. We're on, that was like a tongue twister. I know, right? <laughs> like, nailed it. Yes. Um, we're on Podbean, uh, Apple, we're on Amazon, Pandora, Spotify. What's the other one? Verbal. Verbal. <laughs> um, you should definitely join us for next week's show. Because uh, for our recent review, we're going to do St. Maud. Yeah. Uh, you might not heard about it, but you should definitely watch it. Kelsey and I actually got to check this out at last year's Beyond Fest. And I th- would I say this was like our favorite movie? Um, Because we saw a lot of shit there. I don't think it was our favorite movie. I don't remember what else we saw there, but it wasn't our favorite. I remember we liked it a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw like Psycho Gorman and and uh, like that hair movie, which is not. I just bad kind of, hair. It was called it, bad. Was hair. it called bad hair? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we saw Seconds. That Seconds bl- was Seconds was a great movie. Great movie. Um, like oh, Sick Chronic. That's another movie I'm thinking about. It wasn't that good. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, but I, if I remember correctly, I think. I think it was Seconds and Saint Maud. I think those are two movies which And like, Psycho Gorman was the one we really wanted to fucking watch. Yeah, yeah. That was the one we were like looking forward to. Yeah, and I, I got to interview uh the director, uh Adam Egypt, I think his last name is really cool guy. Um you can find that on Screen Geek if you're so inclined. Um But yeah, Saint Maud. You're gonna want to watch Saint Maud. I remember really liking it. And I, I do remember we talked about it for quite a while, like mm-hmm. after. We did. There's some symbology in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So St. Maud will be streaming on Hulu and Amazon Prime uh, May 13th. So the day after this episode's release. Um, so we're going to do that. And our geriatric cinematic will be Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. The 1968 Roman Polanski film. Um I haven't seen that movie in years, but whew, 
That's a good one. I had a runner-up to that one. It was a hard choice. What was your runner-up? The one with the guy from, uh, um, the movie with the invading plant things. Oh, don't look now. Yeah. Oh, we could have done that one. No, let's let's look with Rosemary Baby. I think Ro- Rosemary no, Baby. Rosemary's Baby. I think is the winner, but I really mm. do want to watch that other one. You know what? I don't look now. I I I've had a copy of Don't Look Now on DVD for like ten years. And you and never I, opened I, it. I never opened it. <laughs> and my mom bought me Selena, <clears throat> and I didn't open it. I, st- I don't. I still don't think it's opened. I got it like ten years ago. I'm one of those guys that like will buy a ton of DVDs. Well, back then, ton of DVDs and just not open them. Mm-hmm. And same thing for Blu-rays because I bought a bunch of fucking like Criterion Collection Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Still not open them. Yeah, but to be fair, you only got those a few months ago. That is true. Is one of them Don't Look Now? I think one of them. Might, I think I might have a copy of Don't Look Now on Blu-ray. Yeah. I think. Uh, but, but sorry, we're not doing Don't Look Now. We're doing. I'm um, way off. <laughs> we're doing Rosemary Baby. Um, nineteen sixty-eight. That is streaming on the Showtime app. Or is available to rent on Google Play, Amazon, YouTube, or other on-demand services. Um, shit, it's probably like in your DVD collection right now. Or in a bargain bin at Walmart. So old. Where I got Beetlejuice <clears throat> from, and I actually opened that movie. No, oh, it's worth it. And showed it to my children. It's Beetlejuice. Uh, so the topic for next week's show is, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yes. I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> you should be you know because i can't have all the talent you know i know i know i know but i mean shit yeah you're you got all the talent i can't have it you gotta have some yeah you give me like 20 percent. okay to see that no 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 <laughs> <laughs> like that river city girls where they eat food and oh like, yeah <laughs> um okay so yeah we're gonna bid you guys adieu um wear your mask you know Get vaccinated. It's a great idea. Kelsey and I are fully vaccinated. We're loving it. You know, we're waiting for our superpowers to kick in, but they will someday. I know. My children are actually excited to get vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Your, your oldest is going to get vaccinated. She should. Soon, right? Yeah. I think it opens up on Thursday and she's like excited. And even Cadence is like, I can't wait for September. Yeah. I can't wait for my daughter to get vaccinated as well. Um, so, yeah, we're going to bid you guys adieu. Uh, but I would like to leave you all with a story. Um, so, you know... I have shared my trouble past on this podcast several times. Um, hung out with some shady characters. You know, not proud of it, but, you know, it's a part of life, whatever. You are. Don't lie. You're proud of it. I got some funny stories with that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so one particular story, um, I was hanging out with my homegirl, Lisa. That's not her real name, but I'm just saying for the sake of the story. Um, we're hanging out at a... We're hanging out, like, in front of a Kmart or something like that. Just being stupid. We're teenagers to know what the fuck to do. Um... So she was like, hey, let's go inside. And I was like, all right. And I'm thinking she's going to buy something. So we're like walking around for a couple of minutes. And I'm just like looking around oblivious, this dumb as fuck, like whatever. And she then she like stops me. She's like, all right, like, come on, let's bounce. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we take off and we're like walking out the door. And right at that moment, security like grabs both of us like boom. Right. And then. It's like they take us and they drag us into like the security room, which is like borderline a fucking closet. And security guards looking, they're like, look at this video. And there's video of my friend Lisa stealing stuff. Right. And I'm like, oh, shit. 
I'm like getting worried and scared. And she it's obviously she's terrified and she starts crying and like bawling. All the tears just coming out down her face. She's crying, she's screaming, she's I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I can't believe it. I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again, blah blah blah. She's going off crazy. Security guards are like kind of taken back. They're like, oh shit. So tears are still coming, and then finally one of the security guards, they like they look at each other and you feel like they're kind of communicating without talking. And they're like, okay, you know what? Fine. Just leave. Don't ever come back. And, oh, okay, cool. So we walk out. And my friend Lisa's still crying. She still has a tear. She's like sniffling, you know, all that stuff. We get outside. We get like a few feet away from the store. And the tears, gone. <laughs> like that. Turned off like a switch. <laughs> and I look at her. I'm like, yo, what, what the fuck was that? And... She must have just watched Rashomon. <laughs> I'm sure she did. Because <laughs> she looked at me and said, women use their tears to fool everyone, then even fool themselves.